as we've got a pause, I don't want to brag, but I'm going to brag. The last time I had a mic like this, well, it wasn't quite like this, but I was when I was on Radio 4. Did you know I was on Radio That's 4? That's a brag. I didn't know you've been on Radio 4. <laughs> it's a brag, brag, but I feel like if there's ever a moment for this brag, it is now. Like, I feel like I never do that brag. The hence why Will's known me for a year and not known it. What were you As doing a women's on Radio hour. 4? Um, oh, talking wow. about women in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually quite big. Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I was gonna say. Just like, oh, I was on Radio Four. Oh, fine. Yeah, I was on Women's Hour. Excuse me. That's quite a big yeah. one, as far as I'm aware. Well, I told you I was trying not to brag. You, you asked for it. <laughs> Your qualification. I was on Women's Hour talking about women. Um, I yeah. was talking about being a woman in cybersecurity, which is now ironic because I've left. But that's what I was talking about. Um, yeah. Anyway, this just giving me similar vibes. Kind of different vibes, but similar vibes. Well, I can't promise that the conversation will be that interesting, but we'll try. We're not really going to be talking about women nor cybersecurity. We are <laughs> talking fine. about a very important woman today, actually, James. <laughs> mm. And it might take so. an hour. I'm Will, and this is the internet's most cyber-secure music podcast. On the show this week, I'm joined by James. Yeah, that's not true. Hello. <laughs> Tom. Remember, kids, always use a VPN. And Holly. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. On this week's episode, we're reviewing the new Carly Rae Jepsen album. We've got the upcoming releases you need to know about, but first, the news. Tom, what have you got for us this week? Uh, in the news this week, Taylor Swift, you remember her? She suddenly arrived back on the scene with um, her new album, Midnight's. She has locked out the entire US top 10. Um, in the UK, we've got the um, top 40, which are the biggest songs of any given week. In the US, they've got top 100. Taylor Swift has done something that I would have thought was fairly impossible of locking out all the top 10 positions in the uh top 100 in the us to put that into context it's a big thing if an artist gets one you know it's like so it's like seeding a number one here in the uk every one of the tracks uh on her album midnight has gone into the top 10 and she's locked out the entirety of that those first 10 positions let's let that sink in for a moment uh drake of all people, previously claimed nine out of ten positions in September 2021 with whatever his last album was. I don't really care that much. Before that, it was the Beatles who got eight out of ten. And I'm not quite sure whether that was for a catalogue of albums, whether that was for a specific release. That was uh, eight top tens in 1964, so that would have been immediately after they went on the Ed Sullivan show and um, blew up America in the British Invasion or something. Now, that's not necessarily so remarkable in itself. Well, actually, no, it is. It's never been done before. So well done, Taylor Swift. Um, the much more interesting question is that, well, Drake got 9 out of 10, of all people. Didn't expect that. The Beatles got 8 out of 10. Think of all the people who haven't got that many so far. Adele, Ariana Grande, Kanye West, uh, Coldplay, Olivia Rodrigo, Beyonce. How many global artists who I would have not even necessarily put above Taylor Swift, but just put up and put on the same level, 
cannot get anywhere near that. Kate Bush couldn't do it. Wetleg couldn't do it. Everyone talks about that album. Didn't make it. I find it interesting to consider all of the albums that you know, took the world by storm, but actually they didn't really, let's be honest. Did you lock out all top 10 positions in the uh, US Billboard Top 100s? No, you didn't. Um, which is an interesting thought experiment. Uh, and I've also added in an extra little tidbit here. This also comes in a week that she denied the Arctic Monkeys gaining a seventh consecutive number one album. Every single one of the Arctic Monkeys albums to date has gone to number one, apart from their latest one, The Car, because of Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I guess this goes to show that it pays to rip off the sound of indie artists. Exactly. I am somewhat saying that in jest, by the way, before anyone thinks that I'm just being mean. I, I've only heard a few songs from her album, but it does, like, her previous ones were just, like, indie folk. I mean, they sounded like they were just trying to be other indie folk artists. And to be fair, she got one of the members of The National to come and work on it, but still. And this one sounds like it's taking from other smaller indie pop artists which that's how things go but i mean personally i just don't don't really care about her music at the moment i'm not totally surprised it's taylor swift but when when you talk about adele or harry styles or ariana grande mm. you would think they would do the same um the but... 1975 um BTS. And I feel like Taylor Swift's got a real cult behind her. Like, yeah. Well, similar to what we were talking about today, but I feel like she's got quite a following and it would have just been more that popularity than the. I mean, it must be the cult mentality, right? Because if you think of an artist like Adele, I would imagine in terms of plays, she's probably done similar, like soon after release. But it would have been lots of people are listening to the big singles. Whereas. I don't really know that mid I mean midnight was a surprise release right so there weren't really singles so it it all came out at once and she's got this kind of I mean from what it seems like on Twitter like a cult following her and they would have just been rinsing the whole album rather than just the songs that yeah. like uh, become really popular Yeah I think I heard a thing too I can't confirm this I don't know where it's from but um that she also broke the record for like the whole album being listened to in one sitting, how many times that happened as well, which mm. kind of makes sense for there being 10 other songs in her in the, at the top. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just crazy how big she is, I guess. And that's probably a fair point as well. Like you said, um, whereas previous albums, the main single, the lead single would have been the most listened to part of it. The fact that it is, it, if if you're right and it was a surprise release, firstly, all these songs coming at once. And secondly, like you said, it, this is a difference between having a song on repeat for a day and having an entire album on repeat for a whole week nonstop. And will you prioritize that over other albums? Because I listened to it, all of Adele stuff, but I didn't listen to it on release day. And I certainly didn't listen to it more than once or twice. Same would go for, I don't know, 1975 or... Um, other big artists that I clearly listen to. Um, you know, it, I think it's a case of that's what, what it highlights to me is that uh, the way that the charts measure top songs has changed over time. We used to talk um, 
I think we talked a little while ago about chart equivalency and how in the age of digital streaming all of the charts uk charts and the us um, top 100 try to calculate how much a stream is worth in terms of revenue and how you equate that to an actual out of physical album sale because it's not really you don't buy albums anymore you tend to stream albums and i wonder whether this is a case of this is a exception which has broken the system and it's just people have had this on repeat so much and have listened to it so regularly and so frequently um that it's sort of bolstered its way up the charts so to speak um but it seems though it's going to be a one-time thing anyway i mean this couldn't really have happened before streaming i mean you said the beatles did it but i mean they're the beatles right eight out of ten eight out of ten they got apparently in 1964 when they were literally everything i feel like the beatles was across multiple albums as well right which makes a difference to that kind of statistics of if people are buying multiple albums, then more likely to get songs in the top ten. Whereas, so, uh, so the you top one hundred is off, the top one hundred is weekly, so that would have been for one record that they released in nineteen sixty four. If memory serves, they went on the Ed Sullivan oh. show in November sixty three. I could be getting my number dates wrong there, but I suggest probably later on they released okay, some sort wow. of record which then literally blew everything out of the water in a way that's never been done since. And it's a good point. It's the fact that the way that albums are listened to the way that it's measured has also changed over time um so again it could be a case of this doesn't happen again or it could be something that actually happens more frequently yeah i think it's i don't know if it's going to become more frequent but i think i mean it's happened what twice in the last two years did you say drake's was last year yeah drake was september 2021 right let's move on to the album we're looking at this week the loneliest time by carly ray jepsen Released on the 21st of October 2022, it's Carly Rae Jepsen's fifth main studio album, or seventh if you include the two side B records she's released. It is 13 tracks long and 42 minutes and 39 seconds, or 16 tracks long and 54 minutes and 10 seconds, because this is the streaming age and we have to have bonus tracks. Released on Schoolboy and Interscope Records, so you're kind of standard, generic, big label sounding things uh <laughs> let's get into general thoughts james why don't you kick us off what did you think of this record i really enjoyed this album i think this album was one just fun enjoyable really good sound it had a, like a really good variety while still sounding like carly ray jepsen um i I think, yeah, it's pop throughout, but it's like many styles of pop and everyone hit. Um, like other albums we've listened to, I didn't really get like ear tired. I felt like when I was on the last tracks, even the bonus tracks, I was like, I'm still enjoying this. I'm still engaged. It's still interesting. And I think that's partly due to the how how the style changes up and... Yeah, just the sound she uses. And there's a lot of different producers, um, which just makes it sound more different. Um, I don't really have much. I won't have much to say about each individual track. Um, because I just think I was enjoying it and I couldn't really like pick things out. And maybe that's going to uh, cause me to find it more difficult um, 
when I'm ranking this album against other albums, but I just really enjoyed it. Um, I think the lyrics were pretty good as well. I don't really know outstanding, but again, I wasn't really like trying to understand them too much. I was just kind of listening, listening along. Especially, I'm mainly listening to like the rhythm of the vocals, the tune of the vocals, and how they played with the instrumentation. But yeah, this week I was really enjoyed. I uh, really enjoyed it, and I was really pleased with it. Tom, this was a really enjoyable pop album. Um, fans of the show will know that I am a fan of Sigrid because you know what to expect of the album. Uh, you know what I expect on their albums. It's going to be 12 solid, very fun, upbeat pop songs of different styles and ilks. This is not that dissimilar in my mind. It's got a different um, color palette. It's got different you know, texture to it. But these are all pop songs. They are all very nicely produced, very well put together. They're very cohesive. Uh, they've all got their own distinct style. And this was an album where every single track I was picking up on a different artist that it reminded me of. Um, Char um, Charlie Poof came to mind. Uh, Paramore came to mind. Um, I think I even heard like Pet Shop Boys at a couple of points. Loads of different styles from 80s, 90s and uh, sort of 2000s indie as well. This was good. This was a really fun little track. My only gripe is my usual gripe of it is that it's so well produced and it's so put together. I did get a little bit tired of it towards the end, but there was still enough right here and there was enough for me to uh, listen to to keep me interested. My only other gripe about this is that it doesn't feel particularly deep in the way that some pop albums can be. That is... And again, it's it's a common gripe I've got with all albums because I don't think albums do it enough. A little bit like I don't see a moment of vulnerability, where is just the acoustic and the vocal, and that's it, one microphone in the room. Where is the spontaneity, I suppose? Um, it feels a little bit too produced, but that's me being a grumpy old man who thinks that life was better in 1986. Um, this was a good album. I really enjoyed this. This was a good, solid pop album. Ollie? It's really interesting listening to um, your reflections because, yeah, it obviously made me think about my own. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was really good, I guess. One reflection I had, though, was I don't know if it did feel as cohesive as I wanted to. I think I liked the variety of the style, but I felt at times it moved a, maybe a bit too much away from her poppy upbeat like it didn't seem as positive I don't think as Carly's usual albums and I think for me um there were points where I didn't know where the album was going but I did really enjoy it and I liked each song individually I just didn't feel it was as cohesive as maybe some of her previous albums I did love it yeah I definitely say I agree on the not as positive point and i feel like it doesn't have that same sense of euphoria and i it might be fair to say that i'm the biggest carly ray jepson fan on the panel yeah, this i'm week. also saying this as a massive um, fan i feel like what i really like about particularly emotion and to a reasonable extent dedicated in its side b uh, it's just big fun pop music this album loses that a, a little bit in I don't know, maybe 
in places just kind of trying to be a bit too modern pop rather than just falling back on the fun. One thing I did really like, though, was that it feels like an album really written for the live experience. As I saw her at Bristol Pride, as I spoke about on the show earlier in the year, it feels like she simplified some of the synth parts down, which does kind of take back on that kind of upbeat kind of big pop energy. But it means it's going to translate quite easily into the live setting. There's way more guitar in the album, more bass guitar rather than just synth parts. And the drums feel like they'll kind of easily translate. So it feels like an album that's really been made for the road. But I think generally it's my issues with the album are, and I'll say now I do enjoy it, but it's one that it doesn't have that kind of euphoria that the previous albums did just it's not got that same energy level partly there are a few tracks that i think are just duds and the big thing is carly ray jepson writes songs i really really love but i think her and i just disagree on which one should end up on the album because this <laughs> happened with dedicated as well where i felt like between dedicated the bonus tracks and side b you could put together a great record but the song she cho chose, uh, aiming for that kind of more modern pop-like listener who's probably more into artists like Taylor Swift and things like that than it is for me. Yeah. And this one I feel like is the same where, and we might talk about the bonus tracks later, I feel like the bonus tracks are a lot better than some of the tracks on the main track list. Yeah, and uh, some I'm, of the tracks that have got the hype for me weren't actually the ones I like the most. Yeah, it... It's definitely angling towards someone who's maybe not the traditional Carly Rae Jepsen fan, but yeah, because I'm, I'm kind of on her side of this. The the tracks that she has that are not bonus, yeah, I, I probably enjoyed those more than the bonus tracks. So maybe she is going in that direction. Well, we'll see if the tracks I pick out as the ones I think aren't as strong are the ones that you really enjoyed. Let's get into it. The opening track is Surrender My Heart. And I don't know if anyone else felt this, but the, the kind of ARP and the chord progression at the intro really reminded me of Barbara O'Reilly by, uh, by The Who. Uh, the one thing I felt about this, the timbre of the drums were really good. I really liked the, the punch of the kick. I just felt like the chorus could do with a bit more punch or, or a bit more dynamism to it. Like maybe if there was some variation in texture or if... You know, there was another synth part to kind of add some something else to it. I thought that would have just elevated it up, but it felt a bit too steady to really kind of kick off the album in a big way. I was going to say, I think for me, it pinpointed the euphoria point that you were talking about earlier in, in that I wanted the start of the album. I was really excited to listen to it. Um, obviously, I know I was doing this podcast as well, so I was like, but I wanted the start to be like a real pow, and it just didn't give me the... Um, yeah, that kick, particularly in the chorus, I totally agree. It was a bit flat for me. It's um, interesting talking about the sequenced sparkly, twinkly um, synth at the beginning. That really gave me, I don't know, it, it, it's my impression of what mid-2000s high school dramas were. Um, and again, that was an instant hit of... That was a wave of... I think I know which world direction this album's going in. Um, it's a very... Like you alluded to, Will, it's a modern pop thing to do. This sort of... Um, nostalgia throwback it's a little bit overdone but i really enjoy it um yeah generally i'd agree this is a solid little pop song but it was nothing exceptional um it didn't 
it didn't urge me to listen again it just sort of set up that there's going to be some more to follow it was i don't know like some sort of like bbc um uh b-roll or something you know to say that the six o'clock news is coming up you go okay come on in it's like <laughs> it was kind of just three minutes of i don't know carly ray jepson pop it was i was kind of waiting to see what happened next I thought it was a really fun track. Um, I thought it was quite it had as quite a simple structure. It was quite predictable, but I just thought it worked really well. Yeah, I, I will agree that it wasn't. It didn't capture me as I would have wanted for a first track. Like when I restarted the album, I was like, it doesn't didn't have enough like push to it. The next track is Joshua Tree, and it opens with that really big compressed lead guitar sound and it, i mean it's like a a kind of classic pop sound at this point but for me there's something about it in this track that doesn't work for me and it just feels really artificial it's really unnatural to me and my, my bigger issue with the, the song is, because I actually think the verses are all right, is that the chorus is just really lacking in songwriting. Like, there's something that just doesn't work for me with the, the kind of non-lyrical vocal bits. It's, um... This was a strange one. Firstly, I'm a bit disappointed that this wasn't some sort of YouTube um, homage. I thought the Joshua Tree, that's got to be a perfect um, time to revisit it, hasn't it? But of course, no, Joshua Tree is also a national park in California. So I suggest it's something about leaving the city and um, sort of riding out into the sunset. And it's kind of got those, I don't know what you would describe it. It's almost... Um, IB for pop vibes that were really popular like in the early 2010s where you had like DJs mashing up um, vocals of various singers. This was fine. It was good. But again, yeah, it was something that didn't really inspire me that much. I did quite like the intro though. It gave me um, real Charlie Poof vibes like I mentioned earlier. Um, the guy who does Attention, that one song that everyone knows him for. Yeah, again, it was good, but nothing remarkable, I'm afraid. Yeah, I enjoy. I, I, I agree with you with the Charlie Puth reference there. Um, I did actually kind of enjoy the intro, and I really enjoyed how uh, when it gets into the chorus, the the bass guitar takes over that intro and the, then the, mm. well, that tune, that riff, and then the guitar does something else in the chorus. So I just really like that reflection, and it kind of... Even though it's the same thing, it did give a different energy because it was the bass. Um, oh, that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's better than me because I've got to be totally honest. I actually cannot remember this song right now. Of all the songs on the album that I've been going through and listening to, this one is just not like, maybe that's everything I need to say, but it's not like sticking out for me at all. Like, I can't even remember the main bits of it which is dreadful but yeah so i guess this one i don't really have much to say on well the next track is talking to myself which for me was a memorable moment this was the first one that really worked for me i felt like i i wanted 
to really like Surrender My Heart. And it got close, but it just didn't have the punch. And this one for me did. It's a big pop song. And when you get to the chorus, I like that it's, it's that live instrumentation because it's it's got really dense guitars and it's got hard panned like uh, lead guitar riffs going on. Um, and I really like that texture where they're, they're, they're being like double tracked or they're playing different parts. So it feels really wide and like there's lots going on. And also you kind of get chorusy effects in kind of the post-chorus or the second part of the chorus or whatever on the guitars. And, and that's another really nice, nice timbre. Anyone getting vibes of uh, Paramore and the pop rock phase? It certainly felt like it to me. Yep. Certainly with the like, chorus yeah, and stars. Bit, yeah. Really, really fun, really bouncy. And I agree, that's why it works. It felt fun and it felt really... Uh, not light, but it was just, again, it was really uplifting, like you said earlier. There's also enough going on here to keep it interesting. It's not like it's just a drum machine and some bass and some guitar. There's some nice little bits of extra percussion in there. I'm sure there's like some sort of like, um, I don't know, it's like a marimba or something in the back, just giving it a little bit of texture. Um, yeah, this was really, really nice. This was good. Yeah, I totally agree. I felt like, for me, this was back to what I like about Carly. It's like very upbeat, proper pop music. Yeah, I really liked this track. This was the first one on the album where I was like, yeah, I like this album. Yeah, this was one of my favourites as well. Like the catchiest vocal in the in the album and for the chorus. And I love how she uses rhythm and like dramatic jumps in pitch in the vocals in the chorus. It was really cool. And then when, um, like, at the end of the chorus, when she doesn't sing um, yourself, like, doesn't complete the words, she just sings the your bit. And then the synths and the guitars and other instruments come in instead. It's just, it's just so good. It's just, yeah, it just sounds amazing. So, yeah, it's one of my favorites on the album. I thought then Far Away comes in and it, it's, again, another track that I think is one of the stronger ones on the album. It, it changes things up a lot from the previous tracks and it definitely kind of pulled me in and made me kind of listen and think, okay, we're actually going to go somewhere other than just kind of the pop, like big pop space. I really like how sparse the arrangement is because it, it really is just kind of the drums and then you get a few kind of keys parts as well. And it, Obviously, it does build a bit as the track goes on, but it's pretty stripped back for a pop song. And it, it gives me what I wanted from that opening track where in the chorus the texture kind of changes and the big pad sound pulls out and it gives a bit of space to everything else so it feels just more dynamic and more exciting. That sparseness is really a highlight in this track for me, especially when it gets into the the bridge where there's not actually that much vocal, but it just really feels the speakers, your headphones, or the whole song just feel, really feels fills it with energy and interesting sounds and just builds up into that last chorus. Yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I totally agree. I thought it was really good. I, yeah, this was a good moment in the album for me. I just, yeah, I think it was definitely different, but I think all the textures, the chorus for me of this song was one of my favourites. It was really great. I really liked it. 
the arrangement as well with the strings and with the percussion being the main driving force behind it. Uh, I don't know what you call it, like you're just sort of like 90s world pop, but this isn't too far away from something that, I don't know, I imagine Michael Jackson releasing in the 90s or something like that. It's got a really, really nice feel to it. It's got a really nice hit, which is so enjoyable. Um, yeah, this was a real highlight. I really, really like this not too much not too little this was a adorable little track i love this next we get sideways which for me i don't have all that much to say about it other than it really does sound like she's merged her sound from dedicated her previous album with the sound from this album as well particularly with that opening kind of synth or sample sound that she's got in there and also the chord progression i can't think of what song it is from dedicated but I think it might be everything he needs where it sounds incredibly similar. It does feel a bit like, oh, we have I got it on shuffle and is it put this track on from a previous record? Yeah, I had that same thought actually. Um, and I I wasn't sure if it made me really like it because I like dedicated or really like, I don't know, a bit annoyed that it was kind of too similar. <laughs> <laughs> is it too much if you're like, trying to be influenced by other pop artists and you're influenced by yourself on one of the songs. <laughs> Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe I should be like, that's a great thing about it. But I think I was just a bit like, oh, not have I heard this before? No, I haven't. This is, I don't know. Yeah, but I did like it. Let's move on to the next song, Beach House. I'm guessing based on your comments at the open, Holly, you'll agree with me that this is probably the low point of the record. This song has just every pop trope I've hated over the last 10 years thrown into one track. It's, it's almost like it's a, an art piece of how can we annoy Will the most. I am so glad I'm not the only one who hates this track. This is just... I hated it. <laughs> the flow in the chorus is just so overdone and it's so bad. And you've got like the kind of male vocal coming in and then oh, the call and response with that. <laughs> And I, oh, there's almost nothing I can I can <laughs> manage so about this song. The whole so the whole conceited metaphor of like bragging about how many boys that you've dated and you can't actually remember how many boys you've dated. Like, but I also think like this is where it gets quite negative for me. Like, I feel like it's like I don't know, giving me quite like bad vibes about like how she feels about her dating life. Like, see, part of this also because I mean. Going back to the album opener, a few lines in, she uses a swear word, and that immediately gave me concerns. Yeah, and like, then is this track okay? as well, it makes me think of, and let's go back to Taylor Swift, the period in between um, her being like really popular with 1989 and her going folk with folklore, where like she was just trying on different hats every album. And she did Reputation, and she was suddenly a bad girl. And I feel like Carly Rae Jepsen is trying to channel some of that here. Yeah. And it didn't work for Taylor Swift, and it's it That's just doesn't worry. work for Carly Rae Jepsen either. I think when you ask my general thoughts, I was probably a bit too negative because I was this was on my mind. I think this <laughs> when I listened to this track, this got to my mind. And then I was just like, I don't know. I also just felt like... Yeah, I just hated it. And I just, I was a bit, I'm worried it's going to become big. I think that's how I feel. I'm worried this track's going to become big. <laughs> and that like, yeah, I just didn't like it at all. Because it's cool to be nonchalant about your feelings. We all know that. 
I'm very quiet because <laughs> this is one I kind of enjoyed. Oh, um, no. I, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I can definitely, I can see all those points. It's really kind of like cheesy and it really goes into that pop trope. Yeah, you just, you've said it basically, but it's just something I've, I just, it just really captured me. I, I don't know. I just fell into it. Um, I really enjoyed the the little weird lines at the end, which I can now see why you don't like that. But <laughs> I did enjoy it, and I really enjoyed the syncopated um, guitar strums that come in um, after the second chorus. I thought that was really good. But yeah, I just thought it was catchy and fun. That's why I liked it. You, you know what it reminds me of, actually? Um, I had a real bugbear earlier last year when John Mayer released his most recent album Sub Rock um, at this point I'm starting to get similar vibes to that not in so much that they're very similar albums but in the sense that they're all sort of just a collection of pop songs which have absolute cringe at some points what was the lyric from John Mayer's <laughs> album um, I want you in the worst way is your gate code still your birthday and you kind of just repulse a little bit <laughs> I kind of get the same thing with Beach House I'm not gonna lie <laughs> I will say that there are some... I, I do like some of the kind of bigger synths, like it's trying to build up a bigger pop song, and there are some kind of vibrato synths in the background that do add a nice texture, but yeah, I just can't stomach this track. Um, the next one I think is a lot better, Bends. This sounds like someone's given Carly Rae Jepsen a techno sample pack and she's had to make a pop song out of it. And I'm very much here for it. <laughs> for her homework. <laughs> yeah, you've got like this, the snare for the first half of the song is just white noise with a with an envelope on it. It's great. What more could you want? Yeah, I also enjoyed this one. I feel like of all the different like styles in this album, I was I was also here for this one. I, yeah, I thought it was great. Tom was disappointed that Joshua Tree wasn't an homage to you 2 I was disappointed this this wasn't an homage to um, Radiohead. Radiohead. Um, <laughs> but it was a, it was a more like quieter than the last track, um, definitely. And I just thought it was nice. Um, don't really have much more to say about it, really. I wonder what would have happened if this was actually higher up the track list, and whether you actually start the album here. Um, whether I would have had a different opinion about it because it's that different. It's yeah, this was cool, but again, I kind of got the sense at this point that this album doesn't really know where it wants to go or what it wants to do. Um, yeah, full stop. That's all I've got to say. Yeah, it's definitely not a progression over the course of the album, which I feel like even other pop albums we've done and big pop albums that go in lots of different directions like Charlie XCX's Crash, right, we reviewed earlier in the year, feels like it's kind of taking you on a bit more of a journey, whereas this one feels like... This one feels like the travelling salesman problem where you're just finding the quickest route between lots of different yeah. places. Uh, let's get on to the next track, Western Wind, which I'm interested to hear people's thoughts on because this was the first lead single on the record. I quite like this track. It's got like a good groove to it. I like the timbre of the drums. I really like the kind of chord sound that plays throughout. I'm not sure if it's like a sine synth with some tremolo on it or like an e-piano with like a fil low-pass filter on it. But I think it it's quite nice. It's not a big track. It's something different for her, but I think it 
it generally works and the chorus is quite catchy. This is the first time I'm going to have to disagree with you, Will. I also didn't like this track. I think for me, I was now, we talked a little bit about that last track, losing its way a bit. I feel like it felt like I was, it was really losing its way for me here and it was a bit slow and I was just a bit like, I don't know. I feel like it was particularly kind of not upbeat enough and not positive enough and I was just a bit like, yeah, like, is everything okay, Carly? Like, what's going on? I don't know. For me, it wasn't um, really the lyrics or anything like that. It was The instrumentation was good for me and the lyrics, well, the the vocals were good, but they didn't really fit together. Like, I feel like the, I was expecting a different, um, yeah, just a different delivery from the vocals for the instrumentation when they came in. I think it gets a bit better in the chorus, but for the verses, it just doesn't play off each other very well. Um, but I didn't hate it. The nicest bit about this is probably the drums, actually, just sat in the background giving it a lot of energy. What I don't like, I'm afraid, is the pop song, which is kind of layered on top of it. It's a really nice little... It's not too intricate, but it's just something a bit different compared to what you appear in, in most pop songs. And I wonder what this would have done if you'd taken that and taken it in a slightly different direction. The bridge was also a lovely little... Um, part as well big fat piano chords a little bit of like it must be like conga drum or something in the back um really really nice i like this but then just sort of reverts back to sort of typical i don't know what you call it like um north south east west coast pop i had to remember which way west <laughs> was in the on the compass for a minute it feels like it's kind of got that sort of oh california Ugh. when i was first listening to this album the track so nice starts and that vocal comes in and my first thought was oh no <laughs> what's <laughs> going on because that the vocal at the beginning is just like what are you doing but <laughs> to be fair the track gets better um in like the post chorus there's a really nice sounding uh filter on a synth where it i don't know it just comes down and it sounds really good and later on in the track, you get the, like loads of synths all playing together, probably the the most different kind of synth parts all at once on a track. It has this like koan sound feel. If you go and listen to their EP Funk Blaster from oof, a decade ago, that makes me feel old now. Uh, it really has that like kind of electro house, like complex style to it. And I really like that about this track. Also, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. I don't know if anyone else felt this way kind of sounded Christmassy to me no sleigh bells <laughs> wait this one no sleigh bells <laughs> I was gonna say a later one sounded Christmassy Christmas needs sleigh bells <laughs> this is actually a Christmas album <laughs> oh my god imagine if you to play sleigh fair. bells over the entire album in all of the tracks and it suddenly made sense <laughs> ding 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 the loneliest time does sound like a like sad Christmas album doesn't it <laughs> Oh, yeah. The loneliest time of the year. <laughs> oh, no. Carly, is everything okay? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should have started What have they that. done to you, Carly? <laughs> oh, no. What was I saying? Um, I was going to make a point here. I can't remember what it was. Chords. Um, there is a really, if I've got my chord progression right, I think it's like a lovely, like, third diminished there. It's like a really strange little texture just before the chorus hits. It's really yummy. A couple of artists I've seen do this now. I think Sigrid did it um, on a couple of her tracks in the latest album as well. It sort of made its way into pop, this cheeky 
diminished third and yeah as a guitar and music nerd i approve good chord choice okay i was just gonna say for me this was actually one of my favorites i don't know what it was i just really enjoyed the style of it i felt like if carly was gonna go a bit away from her standard style this was like for me peak i really liked it i liked the lyrics it was a bit more positive i yeah i really enjoyed this track it was yeah i probably put it quite high on my top three tracks on the album I didn't enjoy the la la la's at the start and towards the end. Yes, didn't like it. Um, but like you said, but it did get better as it went. It was groovy, it was funky, um, and I, I enjoyed the like use of. I don't know technically auto tune, but you know the auto tune that's used deliberately and you can hear it. I really enjoyed that. Um, it just yeah, just added something extra. And it felt thumpy towards the end and felt really good. Next, the next track is Shooting Star. I like the disco opening. I wasn't a huge fan of the vocal effect, particularly at the beginning. I think it, it's grown on me and it does grow on me over the course of the track, particularly when you get the kind of the funk guitar and the squelchy synths coming in. But it feels like such a left turn from anything we've had so far coming this late in the album feels like we just needed some kind of lead up into it that oh we might be going in more of a disco direction than than just you know the whatever 10 pop tracks before and then this yeah i did actually like it but i agree i think this is why um my general thought about the cohesion i just feel like we're going in so many different directions but i think as a standalone track i did really really like um shooting star it was great yeah i enjoyed it but yeah i didn't as a one-off not on an album liked it i really this is probably one of my favorite or probably my favorite track on the album because it's got this cool future funk almost vaporwave vibe to it but i would agree with you why is it here what's it doing like either we're gonna start here um and go somewhere again with um the track that I pointed out earlier, I can't remember which one it was now, Ben's as well, like, it just felt different. It felt like a strange, cool little pop texture. I wish that this was more of the focus of the album, and then I would have been much more accepting of it. But this is really, like, delicious. I love how vibrant the sims are in it. I love the layered harmonies. I love the really compressed sort of mechanical inorganic claps as well it was a great song um reminded me of desire reminded me of young bay loads of artists i enjoy but yeah why is it here what's it doing is track 11 it's just being a great song that's what it's doing it is yeah um i really love the effect on the um the voice the vocals it was something different and it just really, yeah, really enjoyed it. I thought it really showed the range, not as in vocal range, but of what she can do and what she's open to do. Um, she She's ready to experiment a bit. Um, and I really enjoyed the the vocals in the outro where Caught My Shooting Star, like the that secondary vocal, the backing vocal, overlaps the main line and they... The rhythm of them just like fit together like a perfect Lego piece. It's just it was just really good and really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I agree. Now you've said that, I'm like, yeah, that bit was really nice. We get a big left turn into go find yourself or whatever. I quite liked the the change in sound t- into this kind of like 70s like pop where there, it's guitars and acoustic sounding drums. It's the first time a guitar's actually sounded like a guitar, I think, on, on the album, which is uh, notable, I guess. Um, the one big criticism I'd have with it other than it maybe being a bit drawn out, is that for the title line to work, go find yourself or whatever, I feel like the lyrics really needed to be more scathing. And I know I was saying I didn't want her to do Reputation Era Taylor Swift earlier, but to have like or whatever thrown onto the end of a line, I feel like it needs to to land with like some kind of conviction, but the song was just a bit... It was just a bit sad. And then when you have a line like that, it just feels like it feels like she's just kind of giving up. And I guess that's kind of what the the song's about of this relationship failing. But for me, it it, it just made me really uninterested in the song because it sounds like she doesn't care enough or she doesn't care that much about this whole situation. It just doesn't, I don't know, it just didn't hugely work for me. I will say that there are a lot of nice timbres on this album. I mentioned the guitar earlier, but also kind of there are some pianos that come through that sound really, really good and like dazzlingly bright. But yeah, it's just that kind of one lyrical turn that doesn't work for me. I'd argue this track probably needs to go the other way, or at least if if this was me, I would have done, like I alluded to earlier, one microphone, an acoustic guitar, and Carly in a room, and that's it. I think this would have gone a lot better if it was sung with not less conviction, but just if it was more raw and if it was much more uh, One Take Wonder, which put the song forward. I think this is let down by the fact it's got so much production quality to it and it's got these extra layers and it's really tight and it's produced like a pop song. The first section of it and particularly that guitar sound as well like it's a little bit distant it's a little bit um unclear i think that would have really suited this nicely as a left turn at the end of the album um and it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity um in my mind it's a nice track nice sentiment but i agree it's a little bit of a clumsy line but i think you could get away with that if the track itself felt a little clumsy or a little bit imperfect and it doesn't it feels like I don't know, something that would be Taylor Swift would have put on red or something. Like, it's too produced, it's too built up. It should be really stripped back in order for this to work, and it doesn't, in my mind. I think I'd have to do, disagree with that. Um, I I think on other albums we've listened to, they they try to go quiet but they're never you know quiet they're they're kind of like in, in the in the middle like this this does get a bit louder when the drums come in but it still feels acoustic um and i i think that works here in this place or in this position in the album and in the album as a whole i don't think it needed to go completely just her and the guitar um yeah, now you mention it, Will, I do agree with you. Like, maybe, And the same goes to some of the other tracks on this album. Like, the lyrics don't completely lean into the 
emotions she should be putting across. Like, yeah, she should be more scathing. She should really express her view more than she is in it. But saying that is is a really lovely sounding, really lovely sounding track. Yeah, the guitar sound didn't sound clear in some points. Maybe like the bar chord, the bar chords didn't sound quite as clean as I wanted to. But I feel like that's a, quite a bit of a, a nitpick. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I really like the sound, um, but yeah, the lyrics didn't quite match the sound for me. And I think, yeah, there's something about what this album was trying to say. And I think I really liked it, but I just think, yeah, she could have been a bit more, either a bit more scathing or go the other way and don't have that as the title. And actually, like, obviously she can say however she feels, but I felt like the title was alluding to it. Yeah, like I questioned, was she is she trying to be like Taylor Swift, but not quite doing it? Like, I don't... I don't know, but yeah, I think I think there's something about the sound not matching up with the lyrics. So yeah, I agree with what you're what you're saying. Let's get on to the final track, "The Loneliest Time," with fellow Canadian singer Rufus Wainwright. Um, I like the disco influence. I feel like this feels like a good kind of end cap. I'm not sure that it feels like it sums up this album, but it does feel like a, an ending. Um, I'm not sure quite how you'd wrap up this album anyway. Um, yeah, I think the, the disco influence is an interesting one to kind of go into for her. It, it's another, like you were saying about one of the other directions, I feel like this is a direction that I feel like could work for her if she wanted to go into that further in a future project. But Maybe just pick one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Possibly. Make a choice. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I quite liked the duet vibes. I was I was quite like, yeah, it almost, like you said, it did feel like the ending. I feel like it almost did sound me on what she was trying to get at with this album. I felt like it brought it back around on whatever journey we've just been on. Um, but yeah, I, I actually liked this track and I did enjoy kind of having the duet, the voices on it. It was good. The energy and the chord progression as well, it kind of had the vibe of a musical almost. It had this, um, it, it chose very particular chords which aren't very like pop oriented, um, which was interesting. I found that a really cool little note to end on. And I think you are right. It felt distinct enough from the rest of the tracks to feel like a bookend. But then also like, again, it's got this like disco energy. Like, it's here, just bolted on the end. Were you, like, embarrassed about this or something? It's like... It's a great track. I wish there was a little bit more of this in the album. I think it's okay to... I don't think it means you're embarrassed. I think it's a good summer... I don't know. I think it's like... You can end on a good thing, right? I think that's... I don't know. Yeah, I want to want more of the good thing. I want, I want good thing everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's never enough for Tom, is it? Never enough. <laughs> Give me more disco. The future funk as well. This is the one that I thought was kind of festive. Not all the way through, but in like certain parts, it just reminded me of Christmas, like duets. Um, I love the bridge where it's just her and that like squidgy synth sounds, and then it goes into the strings. That was really cool. And I would say this is a good ending to the album, but I never ended with this song. I ended in the bonus tracks. Let's get on to the bonus tracks then. Uh... I'm just going to run through my thoughts on all of them. Anxious, I really liked. I think 
this is one of the strongest songs on the album. Love the big reverbs. The drums sound great. And I think it's higher energy than most of the other songs here. No Thinking Over the Weekend, again, was a standout. It's got this kind of fantasy feel to it. And it, it also kind of brings in some kind of indie pop sounds, kind of like 2000s, 2010s, like kind of twee feeling, twee feelings. It's got some nice woodwind instruments thrown in. Like it, it's just got this really unique feel to it. I feel like, you know, if you're going to have this much variety on the album, put a song like that on it. That would have really caught my ear. The final one, Keep Away, I think is the weakest of the bunch. Um, I think it. I quite like the key parts. It's got kind of that 80s key sounds, like the the kind of Unmuted Master Bingo, the FM synth sound that sounds like Beth Rest. Um, you know, it's not one that I'd say desperately needs to be on the album, but I'd still say it's stronger than some of the songs on the main track list. Yeah, I totally agree. I absolutely loved No Thinking Over the Weekend. Um, I said my top three earlier. I didn't actually say them, but I would definitely put this up there. I think this should have been on the album. And I really liked Anxious as well. It got back to that upbeat. Yeah, I just... Those are two of my top tracks. I thought they were great. Um, These were all lovely. I really liked the energy on these. The question that's in my mind is why are all three of them bonus tracks? Uh, or admittedly it doesn't really make that much difference let's be honest because it's on Spotify so in my head it's a 16 track album and not a 13 track album even if you do you know, label them all as bonus tracks they're still tracks in my mind Um, yeah it's just a little bit odd that I felt these were some of the strongest tracks and these were the ones that weren't put on the album and why because they didn't feel like they were as they didn't meld as well with the others or because they were a bit too different or i'd argue that's probably where their strength is in the fact that they do feel they've got a little bit more energy there and feel like they've got a different um color you know they've got a different feel to the other tracks on the album but yeah just slightly peculiar addition why they're bonus tracks on the end and why won't they use elsewhere because these are great they're really good anxious really nice keep away those FM simps, I know I'm a stickler for them, but goodness me, there's lovely keyboards in the intro. Yum. That's great. I think they're bonus tracks just so that we can't say the album's too long. Um, that is a classic Unmuted Unmastered criticism. Oh, you should have <laughs> cut out some of these songs. Exactly. So. It's, a, it's a classic just throw them on bonus ones. They were bonus tracks. You shouldn't have listened to them. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like there's others I'd cut out and put the bonus ones in on this one. Yeah. So I feel like... Thank you. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, why are they bonus tracks? It's a very strange decision. If it was a CD, I'd be all over it because then, you know, I have to flip it around or like put in a second disc or whatever. Here, they're just kind of there. I don't notice that they are a bonus. Right then, let's ask the all-important question. Should our listeners check this album out? Tom? Um, should you check out the album? <sighs> yeah, there's a couple of good tracks in here. James? A couple. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. So yeah, I, I would say definitely. Molly? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. I think this is a weird case where I don't think I've ever done this before. If you're not a Carly Rae Jepsen fan, you're probably more likely to like this album than if you are, <laughs> in a way. I think for for kind of big fans of hers, it's quite 
it's almost frustrating because you're like, can you just get to the fun parts where we're going to, you know, sing along and jump up and down and enjoy ourselves? And it's maybe a bit too melancholy at times, despite still being a big pop album. I think, you know, if you want a big pop album, it's still solid. Like, I've, I've been quite negative, but it is still a good album. So I, if if you're looking for a pop album, I'd check it out. But I think there are much better ones that we've reviewed this year. I think our expectations were just really high. And I don't, yeah. Yeah. It is a great album. Once Side B comes out, I'll put together the definitive track list of actually, like, a good 10-track album off of it. Right. It's time to rank it. So as always, for listeners, our album rankings are down in the description. And for Holly, guests don't get a vote on where they put it because you haven't listened to all of the other albums unless you have. Nope. Uh, but you can try and convince us to change our minds if you have a particular feeling about it. I was thinking it was going to end up maybe a bit below halfway, but now looking at the list, it's much further down for me. This is somewhere around Charlie XCX for me. Um, this is not any better than Maggie Rogers, um, which is not really that similar, but it's the one that I kind of anchored it to in my mind. I prefer Maggie Rogers 100 times. This is probably somewhere around... Oh. I'd probably go around like 30-ish... It's interesting you said Charlie XCX and Maggie Rogers because those were my initial two points to test it against. Obviously, because they're all pop albums, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely not as good as Maggie Rogers. That was a cohesive album with a unique sound. Charlie XCX, I think, comes together better, has more of kind of a driving thrust through the album. And then I'm looking... Jack Francis, I think, was better. Hot Chip, I think, is a lot better. Totally Enormous Extinct Dinosaurs, I think, is better. Naomi Alligator, I thought, had quite a lot of heart to it. I think that's a good album. So I reckon 33. Wow. I would not go down the that part. The Betrayal by the Carly Rae Jepsen fan. Charlie XCX. The Betrayal I, by the Carly I mean, Rae Jepsen <laughs> fan. Um, Partly it might be, you know, my emotions coming into it a bit right and this has happened with quite a few bands i mean look at hot chip right a band i really really love and when i've listened to the album and it's not been everything i've wanted it's ended up my reviews felt more negative so it is partly that but also then you look at oh so oh so on the list <laughs> <laughs> oh so oh so deserves <laughs> that place and all of the ones above it uh but i mean honestly if you were sat me down over the next year and you ask me do you want to listen to carly ray jepson's the loneliest time or naomi alligator's double knot most of the time i'd choose naomi alligator i think it's a more interesting listen but doesn't necessarily mean it's more enjoyable listen i guess um as in naomi alligator um i would pull it like Possibly around like Whitney, um, but it seems like you guys would put it lower, so it won't end up that far up. Tom, I imagine you're going to be the deciding vote if you want to put it somewhere in between there. Yes, I am airing towards. I'm airing more towards your side, Will. Um, 
just because I think it didn't really go anywhere. They were all good pop songs, but nothing more. Um, had no real substance to it. It's got to be somewhere around Totally Enormously Extinct Dinosaurs for me. Um, hang on, let me test it against myself. Is this better than Naomi Alligator? Yes, it is. Is it better than Totally Enormous Extinct Dinosaurs? <sighs> yes, just. Is it better than Hop Chip? No, it's going in number 31. Number 31, there we go. Carly Rae Jepsen's The Loneliest Time. He just didn't want it anywhere near Jack Francis. Of course. I already feel robbed because it's a number 29. Well, actually, no, then again, like it's give and take because Let's Eat Grandma is at number two, which I'm delighted about. Still there. It's only like, what, four weeks left. Okay, let's get on to upcoming releases then. Not much at all coming out this week, as far as I can tell. Uh, just two albums for upcoming releases. MGMT are releasing a live album called 111111. From what I've heard about this, it was around when they released Congratulations, and the the whole album is unreleased material that they'd written around that time. So it's probably going to be pretty weird, given what ended up on Congratulations, and pretty good as well. Um, so I'm really interested to hear this one. And the other one this week is Run the Jewels with RTJ Quattro, which is a reimagining of RTJ4, their previous studio album, but with uh, Latin American musicians doing the lyrics. Well, that's it for upcoming releases and that's it for the show. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more from us, you should subscribe on your podcast service of choice. If you want to help the show grow, you can tell a friend about us. That's the best way to do it. If you'd like to hear more from us throughout the week, you can follow us on Twitter at Unmuted Weekly or on Instagram at Unmuted Unmastered. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at unmutedunmastered at gmail.com. Thank you, Holly, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I can now announce that the album for next week is Actual Life 3 by Fred again. Cool beans. Ah, oh, Fred again. Oh. That was maybe the worst joke we've ever had on this show, James. And And there have been some really bad ones today. This is the show that came up with Wed Zeppelin. (laughs) And such hits as Man Pigeon. (laughs) 